This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark's Gospel, 10th chapter. And reading from verse 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling for you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. The story of blind Bartimaeus' miracle is one of many encouragements to those who need a breakthrough. And who among us from time to time, doesn't need a breakthrough one way or another, whether spiritual or physical or financial or whatever way it may be. It's an encouraging story. It teaches us that, like we said this morning, with God all things are possible. It also shows us how that perseverance is a key to get a breakthrough. It reminds us that there will be discouragements along the way if we're ever going to win through. And also it tells us that we too can get the attention of heaven. Bartimaeus had two strikes against him. He was blind and he was a beggar. His begging was the unfortunate result of his blindness. When trouble strikes, it usually comes in more than one way, doesn't it? There's usually a knock-on effect. Whether he was born blind or went blind, we can't say. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what we do know is that in Bible days, especially in Bible lands, glaucoma was a major problem. It still is a big problem in parts of India and in other countries as well. However this happened and when after this happened, we don't know, but it caused him great hardship. It was a tremendous burden uh, for this man to bear. It stripped him of his dignity and it caused him just to be helpless and hopeless. I surmise that maybe at one time he had a job, but he could no longer keep his job. Don't know whether he was married, whether he had children. Don't know if he lived on his own, whether he lived with aged parents. But his daily routine was pretty grim. All he could do was hope 
and beg in the goodwill of others. Must have been tough. Must have been difficult. But it's all he could do. And then one day, and it just started out, I suppose, like just any other day, he trudged his way out to his favorite spot on the road where he would sit and bag. But that day was different. It wasn't different in that it was hot and dusty and all the rest of it, but it was different in that it was more noisy than usual. Uh, there was quite a commotion going on. There was lots of talk, lots of voices raised. Something was happening, and he wanted to know what. And Luke 1836 says, telling the same story, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Ah, Jesus of Nazareth, the miracle worker, the blind man healer. There was not a person in Palestine that by this time hadn't heard of Jesus of Nazareth. And so in a moment after years of being bound by blindness and begging, hope and faith began to stir within his heart. For the first time, he felt hope and faith beginning to rise. And he must have felt, well, the time for my breakthrough is coming. The time for my miracle is right now. It's going to happen today. The moment has arrived. In Mark 10, 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, then he began to do some things. The first thing he began to do was he began to cry out. It literally means that he screamed. He screamed. Above all of the noise around him, he needed to be heard. This scream, this cry was, I will be heard. I will not be denied. Multitudes were thronging Jesus. Many of them would have great needs. But this man would get the attention of Jesus. And so he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hmm. The crowd called him Jesus of Nazareth because that's where he came from. That's where he was brought up. That's what he was generally known by. And Nazareth had a bad reputation. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he came out of Nazareth. That's where he was born. But this man didn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth. He cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And whenever he used that term, Son of David, he knew exactly what he meant. And everybody there knew what that meant. That meant that he was acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah. He wasn't just talking about his lineage, although it was from David. But he was acknowledging that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one. He was the son of David. He was the son of God. 
No one else could give him the miracle that he needed, the breakthrough that he must have other than Christ, the Son of God. And nobody else can give us the breakthroughs that we need other than the Lord. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Notice two things here. Have mercy on me. He didn't plead his own merits. He pleaded Christ's mercy. He didn't plead his own merits. The fact is, God owes us nothing. Never has, never will. We owe God everything. He owes us nothing. Anything he will ever do for us, it will only be by his grace, his love, and his mercy. He doesn't owe us. Lots of Christians, sadly, when bad things happen, they say, God, I didn't deserve this. Look how well I served you, and now this has happened. Lord, it's just not fair. And what they don't realize when they say that, what they're really saying, even though they don't realize it, is, Lord, I deserve better than this. God, you haven't repaid me for my service. You should have treated me better. I earned better than this. And whenever we do that, we're simply pleading our merits. And God doesn't owe us anything. Well, thank God we can plead Christ's mercy. Amen. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Hallelujah. Helpless come to thee for dress. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Fall, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That's pleading the merits of Christ. Have mercy on me. Often, it's easier to plead and to pray for others than ourselves, isn't it? Do you ever find that it's easier to believe for others than believe for yourself? Isn't that a strange thing? We can encourage others. We can give others hope. We can encourage others' faith. We can pray for others. We can intercede for others. But when it comes to us, when it's us that needs it, sometimes it's harder to believe for self. But this man was focused. He says, have mercy on me. Lord, I need your mercy. And in verse, verse 48, the many warned him to be quiet. Before you get your breakthrough, you're going to get some discouragements. Voices will rise up and tell you it won't work. It can't be done. It's never going to happen. It's not going to work for you. There'll be lots of voices that will be raised up to tell you to be quiet. Don't be hopeful. Don't be too expectant. Don't get too fanatical about what you believe because God is not going to do it. And so everybody, many warned him to be quiet. Strange, isn't it? A jockey 
He can fast several times a week in order to keep his weight down. I, I listened to Jockey recently. He's just retired. And they asked him, well, well what's it going to be like when you're tired? What are you going to do? The first thing he says I'm going to do is going to eat. <laughs> he says, you have no idea for how many years I could not eat. I had to keep my weight down. And so a jockey or an athlete or whatever can, can, can fast several times a week just to keep their weight down. But you go to fast for spiritual reasons and I'll call you a religious nut. It's amazing, isn't it, how we can spend our money. We can, and there's nothing wrong. We can go on holidays. We could buy a new car. We could get a home. We could get a mortgage. We could go on weekends away. We could do all kinds of things. Fine. In fact, some people would be very jealous if you can do that. But as soon as you decide to give 10% to God, then you're a fanatic. You're not wise in the head. There's something wrong with you. Many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out the more. <laughs> he cried out the more. This was his opportunity, and he was not going to lose it. He was not going to allow anybody to stop him from getting his breakthrough. He cried out the more. Even though there were many voices told him to be quiet, he said, No, this is my chance. And I'm going to cry out. Huh. That's ironic. This was his first opportunity to encounter Christ. And it would be his last. Because Jesus was on his way through Jericho to go to Jerusalem. And in a week, Jesus would be dying on a cross. So this literally was his only opportunity. If he didn't cry out today, he would die a beggar. He didn't know that. All he knew was Jesus was passing by and maybe he thought I might never get the chance and he was right. He would never get the chance again because Jesus would never ever pass that way again. Then in verse 49, and I love this, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Here's one of those special moments in Scripture. This is holy ground. Few places in Scripture you'll find where Jesus stood still. A little woman with the issue of blood that came behind and touched his garment, the hem of his garment. Jesus stopped. And he looked around. Who touched me? Zacchaeus up the tree as Jesus passing by. He stopped, looked up. Zacchaeus, today I must abide at your house. And here's one of those occasions where Jesus stood still. In the midst of a multitude, Jesus stood still. Somehow above all of the noise and the hubbub of the multitude that was following, Jesus heard this man's cry, Son of David, have mercy on me. I love what old C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, comparing Joshua's faith to this man's faith, he says, I have heard of Joshua who said, Son, 
stand still upon Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. But I rank the blind beggar above Joshua, for he caused the son of righteousness to stand still. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Only Spurgeon would have thought of that. Imagine the Lord of all creation, the King of all glory, standing still, waiting for a beggar. A beggar that nobody had time for, that nobody probably would ever spoke to. And when they did speak, they told him to be quiet. But here is the creator of the ends of the earth, and he stands still because a beggar has got his attention. What grace, what love, what mercy, what compassion, what condescension that Christ would do that. It's a lovely song by Casting Crowns. I know that some of you like the group Casting Crowns. And you know the song is called Who Am I? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. <laughs> Beautiful words, aren't they? And so Jesus stood still. This man got the attention of heaven. He arrested deity. I have to ask myself and ask you tonight. When was the last time, either in prayer or in worship or in reading the word, when you felt that you got the attention of Jesus, that you arrested deity, that there was a special moment when you felt, I've got his ear today. Now we pray, we worship, we do all of that. And by faith we do that. And by faith we ought to do that. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. But aren't there moments, special moments, when you sense and you feel and you know I've got the ear of heaven. This man got the attention of heaven. Then in verse 49, after the discouraging voices comes the encouraging voices. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. <laughs> Isn't it great to get an encouraging word, isn't it? When you're feeling really down, and the weight of the world's on you, and some friend or somebody, or maybe somebody you don't even know, in conversation or by phone or by a text or by letter or through a message, you get an encouragement and it just lifts you. It just lifts you. Here's this man and he's screaming at the top of his voice. He's maybe even not sure is he even being heard by all the noise around him and everybody's telling him to shut up anyway. And then suddenly there's an encouraging voice. Be of good cheer. <laughs> Isn't it lovely? Be of good cheer. 
He's calling for you. He wants you to come. It's lovely when you get an encouragement, isn't it? And in verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. This was his, his long outer garment, a garment that probably he would sleep in. His overcoat, as it were, he threw it aside. Nothing was going to impede him. Nothing was going to trip him or stumble him. He was going to get to Jesus and nothing would stop him. Wonderful, isn't it? Let nothing stop you from getting your breakthrough. Yes, there will be discouragements, but there will be encouragements. But let nothing stumble you or stop you from getting the breakthrough that you need. And then Jesus, in verse 51, said to him, what do you want me to do to you? <laughs> that seems superfluous, doesn't it? What do you want me to do? How many knows that whenever the all-knowing, all-seeing, omniscient God asks a question that he already knows the answer, <laughs> he's doing it for your benefit, not his Jesus knew what he wanted. He could see. Everybody could see. He said to the little woman, said to those, who touched my clothes? Do you think he didn't know? He's omniscient. But he wanted to elicit something. And on another occasion, he said to another man, do you want to be made whole? And he wasn't being rude or sarcastic. The man had lain for 38 years. But he was wanting to elicit something. Tell me your need. Tell me. Said to the woman at the well, go call your husband. She said, sir, I have no husband. He said, that's right. You've had five and the one you're living with presently is not your husband. In that you have spoke truly. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> he knew that all along. But he wanted her to speak, to confess, to say. Notice that Bartimaeus was very specific. He knew exactly what he wanted, exactly what he needed, and now he is publicly and boldly declaring it, which is what Jesus wanted him to do. And this focused his faith. He spoke it out loud. There's a strong correlation between what we believe in our heart and what we say with our mouth. Romans 10.10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's something about when you get saved, and we always encourage people who do make a decision for Christ, now go and tell somebody. 
Confess it. Say it. Make it known. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus is passing with his disciples past a fig tree. And he's looking figs from it, but it has no figs on it. And Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And he cursed it. Let no man eat figs of thee hereafter forever. <coughs> and it died. Didn't look it, but it did. Because a few days later, if you read on, you'll see that they were coming past that way. And Peter says, Behold, Master, the fig tree which the curses withered and died. And Jesus says, Have faith in God. If you shall say to this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, it shall be done. There's something he was saying about speaking that, saying that, Believing it in your heart, speaking it with your mouth. And so Jesus is eliciting from this man, what do you want me to do? He knew what was in his heart. Get it out. Say it. Tell me. Remember, this is in front of everybody. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. He didn't say this is stupid. This feels silly. You're making me look daft. I'm embarrassed in front of all these people. No. Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Rabbi means teacher, master. But Rabboni means more. It means great master. This man had a very high opinion of Jesus of Nazareth. He knew he was the son of David. Normal, normally, the word Lord is used, curious, which is Lord which is a good word. But there's only two places in all of the New Testament where the word Rabboni is used. And this is one, and the other one, you know, was never Mary Magdalene in the garden on that resurrection morning. Through her tears and the gloom of the morn, she thought Jesus was the gardener until he said her name. He says, Mary. And immediately she recognized his voice. And she says, Rabboni. Great master. And here this old beggar, the first time he'd ever seen Jesus. And it would be the last time he'd ever seen him. But he recognized who he really was. He was the great master. And he's the master over every circumstance. He's the master over every sickness. He's the master over every lack. He's the master over everything in our lives. He is the great master tonight. So whatever we face now, whatever we will face in the future, he is Rabboni. He is the great master. And then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well.
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Never again would he beg. Never again would he sit in that curbside and put his little cup out. Now he's got his sight. Now he can work. Now he can be like any other man. And what a testimony he's got. What a story he has to tell. I wonder how many people was influenced by Blind Barometer's story. A great testimony is such an encouragement, isn't it? I wonder how many people he actually got to tell. Well, a great crowd saw it. But I wonder did he race back to his village or his town or his family and they would be amazed that he was seeing again and he would tell them about the great master who was passing by and he shouted out and he stood still and he called me over and he instantly healed me. Glory to God. <coughs> Go your way, your faith has made you well. Do you need a breakthrough tonight? The great master is here. He's only a prayer away. He's as close to you as the very breath in your body. And he can touch your life. And he can bless you. And change your life. And give you a great breakthrough. Lord, tonight we need a breakthrough. We need your touch. We need a touch that only you can provide. Not just even for us, but maybe our family. A loved one, a son, a daughter, a child, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. So Lord, we cry out to you tonight in faith believing in the great master of every circumstance. Lord, that you will give us our breakthrough. That which we need. Lord, you know our heart's desire. And Lord, tonight we say, thank you, Lord, for a breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, that you will meet this need that seems impossible tonight. But Lord, you can meet it. And so our faith is in you tonight. It's not in man. It's in the Lord God of heaven, the great God. So we look to you tonight. We ask for the breakthrough in Jesus' name. And we'll give you thanks and we'll give you glory and we'll give you testimony of what you have done and what you will do and what you are doing for your honor and for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.